But what I want to, before I get into this, I wanted to give a little brief synopsis of things that are happening even now that God is doing. We're watching miracles take place. I'm not going to give you the whole testimony on this one, but I will tell you this. Church, just as or maybe a little bit bigger than us right now is in Staten Island. And they were able to manage to obtain the Madison Square Garden as a place of prayer for the 5th of July of next year. If I tell you the miracle, you will not believe because it was a miracle. We need to believe that God is still a God of miracles. Share it. My wife says share it. All right, so I'm going to share it because I'm an obedient husband. So this guy, his name is Pastor Carlos Jimenez. He was helping us at one point with our tax situation. And he has a small church, but it's a very powerful church. And he's a well-known man of God because he does the taxes for a lot of ministers in the region. He has a network of about maybe, I'm going to say about 60 to 70 churches. Good man of God. Well, last Thursday... As I always do, because accountability is important, guys. No, no pastor, if you are a pastor and you are a lone ranger, you are a dangerous person to society. You need to be accountable to someone. My accountability right now is Bishop uh, uh, Joseph Matera. Bishop Joseph Matera has been someone who I've put it like this. He became that person who extended his hand after I lost my spiritual father and I've been walking with him. He's not my spiritual father, but he has been a powerful mentor and has been with me every step of the way. His, his level of accountability um, or my level of accountability to him has been very strong. So last Thursday, we had a, a round table that we do every Thursday with all the ministers, about literally about 70 60 ministers come together weekly worldwide. These are apostles from different places on the, on, in the country and on this earth. And so Carlos Jimenez was on there, Pastor Carlos Jimenez, he was on there, and he looked around because he was invited to tell his testimony, a testimony that's going to hopefully change your life when you hear about it. And he goes, because he's looking at the Zoom and he's looking at everyone. He says, I don't, I don't know anyone here. But that one person right there, Apostle Israel Pena, he said, hi, God bless you. I said, now, to me, I'm thinking, now you're going to know everyone. Because this connection that's going to be made is permanent, right? You don't just meet people just because. There's always a future event in a meeting. So... He starts off, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go right to it because I want you guys to just get the, the core of it. He starts off talking about how this miracle took place of him obtaining Madison Square Garden. 
you don't understand. To obtain Madison Square Garden is it that's ridiculous. You gotta you gotta have two things. You gotta have influence and a deep pocket. So he didn't have any of those, but he had God. So so watch this. He's on the computer and he has his sons nearby, but one of his sons came over and said, Dad, I want to go to a, a Knicks game. So he goes on there to take a look, and, you know, of course, it was the last game of the year for the Knicks. But he was determined that he wanted to be, he wanted to go. So he said, well, it's sold out. We can't do it. His son said, no, I feel we can go. Maybe if we go there, something could happen. God tells him, this is a father and son moment. Listen to your son. So, he says, okay. He leaves Staten Island, heads to Madison Square Garden. He decides to not just take his one son, he takes his other son with him too. So now it's him and his two sons. He gets to the booth. And he's about to pay for the tickets. When he gets there, the lady says, um, I'm sorry, but it's sold out. Discouragement number one, right? Oh, discouragement number two, really. It's sold out. We can't do anything about that. He said, no, no, no. There must be, there must be more. He, she said, no, there isn't. God tells him to pay attention again. Because he tells God, you brought me out here. There must be a reason why. What are you trying to teach me? God tells him, mind you, this guy's one of those really uh, preppy type individuals, right? God gives him instructions to break his pattern. Because sometimes God will tell you to do something that's out of your natural order of doing things. So he told him, go to the nearest garbage and put your hand in. Now he's arguing with the, with the Lord. He's going, you, you tell, you, Lord, you're telling me to go into the, put my hand into the garbage? Put your hand in the garbage. Because what's garbage for some could be the treasure for others. So here he goes. He puts his hand in the garbage. When he goes in there, he pulls out a ticket. Wait, wait, it was one. And then he tells him to go back in again. Go and grab another, and he went back in, he got another one, two tickets. But even still, he was unsure if these tickets were going to work, right? So he goes to the person to go in, he brings his sons, because it's, it's two but not three. Everybody say, it's two but not three. He goes over there, they scan it, they let one in. They scan the second one, they let the other one in. But he's left out. He's going back and forth trying to use empathy, you know, trying to see if they, these are my sons, you know, please allow us in. You know, they can't go in by themselves. So it caused the ruckus because the person that was there did not want to budge. You'll always have your Goliath. There will always be a person to try to prevent you from moving into your next. But their ruckus is what causes God to go. So what happens? In that back and forth, they close the door on him. And he stays there. He doesn't move. He said he, him and his sons, they just stayed there. 
the, the area's cleared out. He's just him and his sons. There was a camera watching him from the executive booth. So the first person to come out of the executive booth came and said, we know what's going on, what's happening. And the person told him, well, you know, he doesn't want to go because, you know, he only has two tickets and he, it's three of them. He goes, okay, you've got to leave, sir. You've got to go. So now, second round of issues cause another executive to watch that executive. Now this whole thing is turning into a drama. One of them inside the booth, the executive booth, decide to leave because they had an oppressing scenario. Gave his ticket to the other one. And that person came down and said, here's your other ticket. Because somebody left. And that ticket was on the side, the court side. God is in it. But this is not the reason why God, God wasn't doing it for that present moment. There's something else happening there. So they go in, they're having a good time. He has all this money. So he tells his son, buy whatever you want. Eat whatever you want. We have all, we have enough to spend. They get to the booth where they give food. They get there. And the guy says, I don't know. I don't know something about you guys. You know what? Buy whatever you want. Don't pay anything. What? Five things took place and God told him to pay attention because if I can do this, I'm going to do what's coming next. So what happens? God tells him to bring his staff. This is about maybe a couple of weeks later. Bring his staff to Madison Square Garden to ask for a day. They sat down with the person who sets up. They said, we have no, we're sorry, sir. We have no days. We serve a miraculous God. We have no more days. He said, we'll take whatever you have. And the only day he was able to find was the 5th of July. He said, we'll take it. But it's got to be more than that. Because now he has to make a deposit of $150,000. Obstacle. For who? For you or for God? He now starts making phone calls to all the pastors. He's starting to get money. Money's coming in. 20,000, 30,000, 50,000, so on and so forth. But he finds out he's still short. They told him it has to be in by August 5th. He said, can it please be by August 15th? Because this was all July 14th of this year. So he goes, just give me to the 15th of August. They said, okay. He now has to the 15th of August to come up with $150,000. So God told him, I want you now, change the rules. Originally it was call all the pastors. Now... Call this one person or call people who are not pastors, but call this one person. He calls this person up. Person's very wealthy. He tells them the Lord. And the moment he spent, he said, the Lord, the man starts crying out loud on the phone. Because that man was waiting for that phone call. 
20 years before, it was written on a piece of paper that in 2023, he was going to receive a call from someone that was going to give him something, tell him something he's going to have to give. He had the letter. You're not hearing me. He had the letter stating that on, not that day, but in this year, that someone was going to call him up. So that's why he was crying. Because that was the phone call. So he went with him. Mind you, it would have been hard for all that, all the money he had to be able to be transferred over. It would have taken a couple of days because it was on the 14th that this whole thing happened. In other words, it was the, t- the day before the event, the, the last day of payment. God will wait to the midnight hour. When everybody else says, I'm done, I give up, he'll wait to the midnight hour. When others say, I said, it's not going to work. The midnight hour to show his glory. The thing about it was that the man realized that he's not going to have the opportunity to change it over. All those things, all the the monies that came in, they would have to be transferred over and so on. So he said, no, no, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to hold on to all of these. I'm going to use money from my my bank account. We're going to use from my check the whole amount. And we're going to go over there and give it to him. They went together. Now, because he, he said this, so I'm going to say it too. He said, for those of you who don't believe, I'm going to send to Apostle Israel the actual picture of the check. He sent it to me, and I sent it to all the other pastors. I'll send it to you as well, just so you could see. It's not that you don't believe, but it's good to see. It's tangible, right? They got the day. The day is set. And it's a little church, a small little church in Staten Island. God, he said, he even said, he said, I'm probably the one who has the smallest church. I have to tell, I, I'm thinking in my head, I said, no, you're not. <laughs> and, 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 and to know that God saw that far in, that now he's going to have a day. That people wish they were, people who had millions and were trying to get to, get that done, just that. Even with, because even you come, even if you come in with money, there are times where it's not the money, it's the influence, it's the connection. And we have next year, with a bunch of other things, that I'll reserve to later. We have 2020, 2024, on the 5th of July, a day of prayer for all of New York City in all of the United States. And I plan on helping him because he's having a hard time getting to the black churches. Right? I said, that's easy. We got that. We got that because it's a family. It's one body in Christ. And we're going to be able to get to those places. They're going to be able to come. And from between now and the 5th of July... We're going to make sure that there's a campaign out there. Amen. You're going to laugh at that later. Thank you, Jesus. All right. With that mention, I wanted to bring this other stuff to because to me, all of this is part of the process of this next stage. This teaching I'm going to give cannot be one taken in vain. 
This is the blueprint of life. The tabernacle of God is the blueprint of life. We're now in school mode. I realize that many of us are fearful of our Goliath moments. And I want you to know that it's those moments that define who you are. Your worst moment gives you your name. You didn't catch that. Your worst moment, your most fearful, intense moment is the, is the moment that gives you and defines who you are to everyone. That's why you got to say thank you to the flood. Thank you to Goliath. Thank you. The list continues. What obstacle is there? What has been your obstacle? That's the thing that launches you. Because the moment it exists, you exist. But didn't I exist before that? No. The, the, the name that God wants you to have has to include your issue. On this planet, you've got to be defined. God will define your overcoming. And people will look at you and say, not the shepherd boy, but the, 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 the giant slayer. Because a shepherd boy is easy. Yesterday I mentioned to a young man, I told him about, actually he's a pastor, I told him about the concept of believer. You know, people say, I'm a believer. I'm a believer. You know how many times I heard yesterday, I want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm not saying it was not true. It's just the same, it's, it's, it's cliche. They were getting these awards, awards, and first of all, I want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then I say to myself, we say we're believers, but what caliber of believers are we? We're going to get into this. Trust me. I, I just got to give this. I got to give this part because it's going to lead us right into the teaching. You say you're a believer is like saying you're a bird. You could say you're a bird, but then the question is, what kind of bird are you? Well, I'm a bird. Can you fly? Because there are birds that can't. There are birds that don't have the ability to do certain things. And God is saying it is a time for us to get to know who we are because we've got to start entering into the tabernacle of who we are. The holy place and the most holy place. The most holy place being that place that people don't want to touch. They don't even go, they don't even go to the holy place because they stay in the external part, which are the outer courts. So watch this. If you are a bird, a believer, what kind of believer are you? Oh, how about this one? Maybe this one will help you out. Can you imagine going to a, going to a lion and telling it you're a cat? Isn't it a cat, though? It's not a lion, a cat. But what do you think when you think of a cat? You cannot compare that cat to that cat. And every cat has their specialty. 
I, I remember growing up, people, because they see spots on, on cats, they think that leopards are tigers. And leopard, or cheetahs are leopards. They're all different. Cheetahs run fast. Leopards are stealthy. Lions just dominate. But they're still cats. What are you in the kingdom? What kind of cat are you in the kingdom? What is your specialty? What is it about you that's different from others? What needs to be surfaced in you? That's all going to be based on your confrontation of your Goliath. That moment will make it so that everyone knows this is who you are. Were you able to confront that moment with boldness? Did you shy away from that moment? Were you afraid? Or did you say, I'm going to take this, I'm going to take this by the horns because God told me to. When God starts dealing with me in private, like when I came in today, I drove. I told you church starts the moment you start driving or the moment you even get up on a day like today. When I got into that car, the Lord started dealing with me in the area of identity. That's why this whole concept of cat birds came into play. Penguins are birds, but they don't fly. But they can swim. Chickens are birds, but they don't fly, but they taste good. Eagles are birds that know how to fly high. Everyone has a connection somewhere there. What kind of believer are you? When we start talking about the tabernacle, the way the book of Exodus describes it, it shows that God is so interested in tribes. And if you can imagine it being cats around the tabernacle, everyone had their ability. Everyone had their skill set. Everyone did it not for the sake of saying this is what I can do, but rather that was the assignment for them to do. The Levites, within the Levitical order, you had a breakdown of those that knew how to build up the temple or the tabernacle, those who were part of the priesthood going in with the sacrificial order in the tabernacle. Each one of them had their role to play. And when you understand the format of the tabernacle, you realize that God had these tribes and made sure that each tribe knew who they were. They were defined by moments. Judah was defined by moment. There's a religious and historical significance. Obviously, the Judeo-Christian um, belief has always included and, and has looked at the portable sanctuary because that's what it was. It was a portable sanctuary. You, you literally had a laptop in a, in a tabernacle going from place to place. It was designed to be mobile. So everyone had to be a part of the moving of that design. You miss one thing, one tribe is out of line, the whole thing falls apart. That's why it's so important as the body of Christ for us to understand who we are, but also who's with you. 
know who you labor with. Whether they're strong or weak, that's not your concern. Do your part. People ask me, why do you like football so much? I love football because it's about assignment. You miss your assignment, somebody else gets hurt. If you're on the line, how many people know a little bit about football? Show of hands. All right. You're on the line. You're given an assignment. Please come here. Come. Yeah. And come. Look at this. And I'm going to keep it really simple. Come. Stay there. Come. Face him. Praise God. Pick the right person. He's got to try to come after me. His job is to push him away. But if he misses his assignment, go this way. What happens? His assignment is to do what? Come back again. Push him away from me, please. Yeah, just, you know, let him push you away. Because that assignment is a part of the whole thing. That one moment missed, if he doesn't hit that assignment, I'm in danger. That's the body of Christ. Each one has an assignment to keep us moving forward because the forward progression is not just motion. We get so caught up sometimes in all the pushing and shoving that we don't move ahead. And we say we're still working. There has to be a form of progression, not just movement. Because what happens? Both of y'all just come across each other and start moving in place. Just move in place like you get kind of like jog in place. There you go. That's movement. But there's no progression. And what happens in that transaction is that people will say while they're working, look at the church that's working. The church is working. But there's no forward motion. There's no first down. And you know what? We're always focusing on the touchdown, and we don't look at the, the, the little winnings that take place, that first down, that movement forward. What happens? If he misses his assignment, and we're all working together as a church, this tribe or series of tribes come together to work against the enemy's plans. But you've got to do what you've got to do because you represent intercession. Intercession cannot miss their assignment. Don't go putting in you got 9 a.m. and you are not on the wall or at the gate. The, the uh, intercessors know what I'm talking about. If you're not there, what happens? Get out of the way again. Come after me. Come after me. Come after me. I go nowhere. That's called a blitz. I have the ball. I get hit because you didn't commit to your assignment. And then what happens? You know the blame game takes place when that happens? Everybody's trying to blame everybody. The line says, no, that's not what you said. The quarterback says, that's the assignment. Everybody, because it should not have happened. But how do you find out what's wrong? You do a review. You find out who went where. 
And that's what God does. And he, he, he brings us to a place of understanding what took place. All right, here we go. Thank you. Let's get into it. The architectural design of the tabernacle. The tabernacle was a rectangular structure, approximately 45 feet long, 15 feet wide, and 15 feet high. 45 long, 15 wide, and 15 high. Rectangular. It was divided into two main sections. However, the third section is still counted. That's the outer courts. The outer courts, the holy place, and the most holy place. The outer covering was made of curtains of fine linen, goat's hair, with an inner layer of fabric. Thank you. There we go. The tabernacle in a whole was a description of the body, the human body. The outer courts is what people see. And unfortunately, what people see is what they believe is. You know, dogs know more than us sometimes. You know why? Because their other senses are heightened more than what they see. We only go with what we see. And we believe that what we see is the truth because we create our own narrative. We put the voices in. You remember back in the days? I don't, I don't go that back, but the black and white movies, you know, they, they, they were fast moving, right? Those black and white movies, they didn't have the words. They would put the words at the bottom, but you didn't hear them. So you had to come up with the extra stuff. All you were being entertained with was what you're seeing. The sad part about that is that you add things that are not supposed to be. And you start making up your own narrative. Significance of the materials. Specific materials were prescribed for construction. Some were sacred. Some only certain people can touch. Gold, silver, bronze, iron, these were just some of the areas, fine linen, acacia wood, and it had to be acacia wood. Couldn't be any other kind of wood. Precious gemstones, and all of this symbolizes purity and value. As you can see in this picture, it seems very simple, but that right there is a description of how we let things in and out. What is the most busiest place in the tabernacle? Can anybody guess? What is the busiest place in the tabernacle? Remember, we have three stages, three places. Outer courts, holy place, and most holy place. What, are the, what, what do you believe is the most active of all three? One of them is the most active. Just give me a guess. Somebody raise your hand up and just kind of say again. She said the outer courts. How many agree with outer courts? Show of hands. Boom, boom, boom. Good. All right. Anybody with this? Anybody with any other place? The holy place. He says the holy place. How many people agree with the holy place? Show of hands. One. You're not that popular. Two, holy place. 
what about the most holy place? Anybody? Show of hands. One, two, two. Wow, interesting. The most active and the one that needed most attention. Maybe I should have said it that way. Maybe I should have said it that way. The one that required the most attention. Let me switch that up for you because that's kind of messed up. Yeah, let's get it messed up. The one that required the most attention, which, is, which one is that one? He says the outer courts. He switched it up. He went back to the outer courts. Anybody agree with him? That's the most, that requires the most attention? You buy yourself again. <laughs> he says holy place. How many agree with holy place? Show of hands. Okay. What about the most holy place? Show of hands. Well, the truth is, the holy place is the most active because it requires us to change the items in there. Let, let me break that down for you. In the holy place, let's go, let's go to the other one. Let's go to the holy place. In the holy place, you have the following items that require daily attention. And this is going to be important for your soul that you listen. In the holy place, you have the bread that needs to be done that day. Twelve loaves of bread that needed to be not yesterday's bread, not the day before, but the bread of that day. Twelve. Twelve representing what, guys? The tribes, 12 tribes of Israel, God's government. Then you have the incense or the altar of incense. What else do you have to start putting in there? What, what happens when you use it? You're going to need more, so there's a need to monitor and put more incense into the altar of incense. Altar of incense is the area that's right before the curtain. That, that item that's right before the curtain. And then you have what? The lamp. The lamp, which is called what, guys? Nobody knows? Starts with an M. All right, I'm going to let you all look that up. Menorah, yes, thank you. And in there, what was required? Who said that? What you say? Oil. Oil is necessary. You need oil, you need bread that's cooked, and you need incense. That was the busiest place because it had to be done daily. Now, the thing about the holy place is that it had no windows. So in order to be effective in the holy place, what do you need if it had no windows? Light. You need light. And if there's no light, you will bump into what? Everything. You won't see what you're doing. So what does this light represent? Let's go to Revelation chapter 4. 
Revelation chapter 4. When you have it, please say amen. Oh, five, verse 5, I'm sorry. Verse 5. From the throne came flashes of lightning and the rumble of thunder. And in front of the throne were seven torches with burning flames. How many? How many torches were there on the menorah? Seven. Seven represents what? God's completion. What else? Seven days completion. All right, you're gonna, you're, y'all got to get this one, and you got to write it down. Anytime you hear the word seven or the seven concept there, that's completion, always remember that it signifies and typifies Holy Spirit. The sevenfold spirit is the Holy Spirit. That's the one talked about here. And if we want to find out what those sevenfold spirit are, we just got to go to Isaiah chapter 11. Let's go there. Isaiah 11. Verse 1. Don't, listen, hold on to these truths because it's going to help you to understand how to deal with your soul. Those of us dealing with depression, anxiety, and anger, it's in our soul. It's because the light is dark in that room, so you can't get the bread of the word, and you, your prayer life is stuck with the incense. All right, check it out. Out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot. It's a new branch bearing fruit from the old roots. Keep going. And the Spirit of the Lord. Everybody say Spirit of the Lord. That's the first one. Write that down. Spirit of the Lord. First one. And the Spirit of the Lord. Next one, please. And the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. Number two. Spirit of wisdom. Write that down. That's number two. Number three. Understanding. Number four, counsel. Number five, might. Number six, knowledge. And number seven, fear of the Lord. These seven are the seven lampstands in the holy place that's called the tabernacle. These seven will always counter whatever we're going through as long as the lamps are on. Holy Spirit in our holy place is able to deter feelings of depression and anger and anxiety. Holy Spirit lit up in the place where there's no windows, so you have no dependency on external light. You must only depend on the light that's within that room. Who's understanding me? It is the holy place that's inside of you that represents your soul that requires activity. From who? Who's in the holy place? Is it the, high, the most high, um, the, the, the high priest? Huh? Is it the high priest? No. Yes, and he's not the one in that room. 
That room is called the Holy Spirit room. It's going to make sense in a minute. Holy Spirit is who? The light in the room to keep everything actively moving accordingly. But who is the one who has to cook the bread? But now let's talk about it individually. Who's the one who has to keep? You're right, though. But who's the one who has to keep that room? Amen. Listen, listen carefully. Say again. We are the priests in the holy place that maintain the bread warm, the incense of prayer filled, and make sure the lights are always lit up. You missed one, you got almost everything correct. It's not the daily bread for prayer. The daily bread is the word. So the bread is the bread to make sure that bread is nice and warm. Every day, you got to be what? Here's the thing. Don't answer because I don't want nobody to feel embarrassed. But I want, I'm tossing out the question so you can ask yourself. How many of you read the word? Do not answer. How many of you read the word every day? That's for you to answer. If you go days without the word, that bread becomes stale. And it's no longer used for food. It's used to throw rocks. So your words become offensive to people even when you're giving the word because the word is not warm and eatable. You can tell a bunch of people that you're coming with baskets of bread to feed them. And when you start throwing it at them, you're hitting them and causing them to bleed because the bread is not freshly cooked. That's why it's your daily bread. What, what does Jesus say? Give us this day our? Yesterday's bread, last week's bread does not work for today. It will, it will do more damage than good. And the thing about it, when people give bread, they think they're doing the, good, the right thing. That's why you have a lot of people that have the word. And they have the word, but they're giving stale bread. And they're hurting people, causing people to lose their teeth while they chew. Hurting people because it's the word, but it's stale bread. That's why the priest needs to be actively moving in that room called the holy place. So incense is prayer. You you said fragrance, which, you know, praise God, because prayer is supposed to be a fragrance. But your prayer is only as effective as the bread. Did you know that's a baseball field? Watch this. You play baseball, right? So you have home base, first base, second base, third base. In order for you to get to second base, you better be good at first base. Your word connection 
has to be connected to your prayer connection. And even if you want to switch that up, you can as long as you get to the second one. Because at the end of the day, you're going to need the word to know how to pray. And you're going to need to pray to understand the word. Both are necessary. But the only way both can be done is by way of the spirit. So what do you have to always keep? So now here's a job. We got to have warm bread. We got to keep incense. Our prayer life has to be solid. You got to be praying every day. I'm, I'm, getting, I'm, not asking, I'm not asking you to answer, but my question is, I'm still going to pose that question. And I'm not talking about snack prayers. Uh, Jesus, please be with me today. Amen. Snack prayers are only for snack people. As you grow, there's no more snacks. You got to have dinner. When I was in daycare, my mother put together snacks for me. Your language changes as you grow. If you're still saying the same thing you said five years ago, you are arrested in your development. But that's how I was taught to pray. So you're still, you're still there because you have not learned that there's more. You remain in a place so you don't even know that you can fly. Saddest thing is oh, uh, an eagle that does not know he can fly. Heard somebody say the other day, an eagle hanging out with chickens is only going to do what chickens do. Jump on. But they use their wings to go onto the trees. Like they fly for a little bit. That's so sad. I feel so bad for chickens. They can't, they can't get away. That's why they're dinner. Think about what's dinner. Dinner is anything that can't run away from human. Cows, they're not horses. That's why you don't have, horses are not, are not the predominant thing. It's cows. You can run after, after a cow and catch it. Amen. My point to you is, if you look at the totality of this, you'll find out really fast that it's all about having a spirit-filled life. Your life is filled with the spirit of God then you're going to know about prayer. You're going to want to pray. You're going to want to read the word. You're not going to want to do one more than the other. And here's the problem. If you do one more than the other, then you end up being either ultra religious without any supernatural anything. You know, everything is the word. Or you become no word and just everything is mystical. Did you catch that? A church that's unbalanced is a church that has a whole bunch of witches or a whole bunch of judges. Well, that was pretty good. They're either going by legality, legal, 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 hell, 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 because that's all they can use as a motivator, or everything is hell, right, by way of spirit. And they don't, they don't worry about the word. They just make noise the whole service. Did, did you love that service? That service was great. Yeah. What did they teach? Yeah. That's not church. It wasn't intended to be that way. There needs to be an even balance. Allow the spirit to move, but get some word up in there. Have both coming together. And that merger 
will allow you to obey Jesus when he said, beware the yeast of Herod and of Pharisees. Continue. So what about the most holy place? I want you to know something. Inside the tabernacle were various sacred items. I already mentioned the Ark of the Covenant was in the most holy place. In there were the Ten Tablets, Ten Commandments. So where, where that smoke is going up, that's the most holy place. Is it our job to go into the most holy place? Is it our job? If we're in the holy place, then somebody else must take care of the most holy place. See this area right here? Only one person is supposed to be going into this area. Who's that? The high priest. And who's the high priest? Jesus. So he's the only one who was allowed to go into this area to make sure that our spirits are connected with the Father. Because nothing in the holy place was going to connect us to the Father more than the most holy place. Who's getting what I'm saying? The priests were the ones in the holy place because that's us. We are. A royal priesthood. So we have royalty as well. Did you know the anybody know the colors of, of the of the tabernacle? What were the main colors? I've taught this one before, so I'm hoping some of you remember. Uh-huh. Purple, blue, and red. Purple, blue, and red, and it was all on white. Why purple, blue, and red? What does purple mean? Royalty. Kingship. Why red? Sacrifice. The blood. Why blue? Priesthood. Priests brought in the color blue. These three items were what was waiting for Jesus by the three gifts that were given. The three gifts are the three colors on the tabernacle. Remember, not, I didn't say three kings. I said three gifts. The three gifts are the three colors on the tabernacle. Gold and purple are the same thing. Frankincense and blue are the same thing. Red and myrrh are the same thing. Because Jesus came as a king and a priest to sacrifice himself. He came as a king and a priest to give himself up to be the sacrifice to all humanity. Look at the connection. Let's continue. Ritual and worship. The tabernacle was a central place of worship for the Israelites during their wilderness journey. 
The priests were consecrated to serve within the tabernacle. Of course, they performed various rituals. The symbolism and theology of that. The tabernacle served as a tangible representation of God amongst his people, but it was also a tangible representation of Jesus. Meaning that Jesus was being introduced in the old. Do we have a picture of the the, the tabernacle um, surrounded by the tribes? There we go. If back then they had one of those, uh, um, what do you call them? Drones, right. If they had drones, let's go to the other one. If, if we had drones, before I, I read this out, if we had drones, this is what they would have seen from above. The drone would have shown what, guys? The cross was not invented to years later, thousands of years later, by a group of people that were the ones who introduced killing people on the cross. So the cross was already part of the whole thing. Now, if you pay attention, the cross starts off at the feet. Because the entrance to the tabernacle was east. And the east is at the feet. From east, you have north and south, which, by the way, were almost even in, in, in the amount of people. And the least amount of people was in the west, representing the top part of the cross. Everything that was intended was on purpose. Let's go to the next one. This one here gives us the indi- they, it lets us see exactly what takes place. Now, I find it very interesting. That's why being tribal is important. In the book of Judges, the very last chapter, it speaks of a tribe called Benjamin. The tribe of Benjamin were very unique in the fact that they knew how to fight with both hands. They were ambidextrous in nature. They decided to fight everybody. They said, we could take everybody on. So all 11 tribes went against the tribe of Benjamin, almost annihilated them. But what I love about that story is, Benjamin did not want to lose his identity even though they lost. Please hear what I'm saying. Benjamin still wanted to be the tribe of Benjamin, even though they ended up losing a lot of people. Why is that important? Because your assignment is not based on someone who you like. Your assignment is based on what God has assigned you to do and who to be. Does that make sense? God has called you to be a part of the flow because the flow is the assignment of God in your life it better not be because of me. I'll see you next, next, <laughs> bye. You'll find out real fast, you are flawed. And if it's based on me and my flaws, you're out the door. But if you are assigned, you're given an assignment, 
Did you know that the tribe of Benjamin is where Paul came from? Paul of Tarsus? Did you know the one who spread the news to the, to the Gentiles came from the smallest of tribes, Benjamin? Here's even what's crazier. Where is the tribe of Benjamin located on here? Y'all see where it is? Do you know why it's there? Why is Benjamin on that side, on the west side of the tabernacle? What else is on the west side of the tabernacle? The most holy place. What happened in the most holy place, guys? Say again. The presence of the living God would come into the west side of the tabernacle. That means what? In order to get to the west side, you had to go through the front legally. And you weren't allowed in if you're not a high priest, so you're not even allowed. But what took place when Jesus died on the cross? You see that little area that it's like a little yellow spot right there. And it shows a division. That west side was opened up, not just for Jews, but for everyone. When Jesus dies on the cross, he breaks open the very area that was sacred to just him and whoever went in as a high priest. Now we have access from the west side, not just from the east. Who's, who's understanding what I'm saying? Benjamin is a representation of the Gentiles who did not qualify. Who may not... Who, who don't qualify to come in through the traditional way. But God said, coming through the back end. There's a back door coming through the back. Because my death allows you entry. Benjamin, Ephraim, and Manasseh are all from the same bloodline of Rachel. Rachel's children are the ones who are allowed in through the back. This is profound stuff. For you to understand salvation, you must understand the tabernacle. Reuben, Simeon, Levi. This is the year of the four. Watch this, guys. I got you. This is the year of the four. It is now year, anybody know? 57? No one knows? 5784. Write that down. It's important for you. This is the year of the four. It took four people to carry a tabernacle, or carry the Ark of the Covenant, rather, into the tabernacle. You needed four shoulders. There's no skipping that. You skip that, you are beyond the order that God established for the anointing to be carried in. It requires four. As a matter of fact, they tried to put it on a cart one time and brought in a curse. Because the Ark of the Covenant should not have been brought in in the cart. It needed to be brought in four shoulders. This year of the four 
is a representation of the four parts of the cross. It is the wholeness of God coming up right now. If you've been waiting for God to do something, this is the window in this year. That number four is going to be all throughout. That's the reason why next year, after the 4th of July, on the 5th, on the year 24 in the calendar we use, God's going to do something. 24 is the government of God. It is a, it's the 24 elders in heaven. It is the Old Testament and the New Testament coming together. It is the tribes and the disciples coming together. 24 is next year. Same thing with the, it's parallel with the, the, the Jewish calendar, 5784. All of it's coming together. God's going to show the earth that without him, forget about AI. AI does what it does. But God is still going to show he's God. And when I tell you he's bringing in the concepts that we've, we've things that we've tossed aside for years, he's bringing it back again. But he's bringing it back the right way because it got perverted. People have made, try to make uh, money off of things that are biblical. And God is saying, no more. I'm going to show you what I can do. And if you're still a part of this flow, it's because God sees it fit for you to be a part of the flow. But I urge you, this is not for the faint of heart. We need to be patient. Allow God to develop what he needs to develop in you so you can develop what's outside of you. He's not going to put in your hands things that require development if you are not ready to allow yourself to be developed. How's your holy place? Are the, is the bread cooked in your holy place? Do you have enough incense in your holy place? How are the lamps in your holy place? Do you have enough oil that's keeping the fire burning? These are the things you got to ask. That's between you and God. I don't need to know. I'll tell you what, though. I may not need to know, but a holy place that's not effectively running tells on itself. Let me, you caught that? When a holy place does not have everything running up to par, you don't got to say it's not running. It will show. It will even smell like it. You know how good, because you, you went right to smell. You know how good it smelled in the holy place? Think about it. Fresh bread. I'm a wonder bread kid. I told you, those who know my story, my father had me putting wonder bread in trucks when I was a kid. So I know the smell of good bread. And Wonder Bread before it goes to the store. So I got the Wonder Bread when, when the plastic is still warm. Mm, that looks so good. Mm, yum. And, and I know that that smell is spectacular. You pass by a, you pass by a Wonder Bread, uh, uh, what do you call it, factory? There used to be one in the Bronx. They closed it down. I think it was, um, 
Oh, where was it? There was one in the Bronx. I can't remember. But it smelled incredible. You passed by the area. So you, you had smell of bread, and then you had the smell of frankincense, oil. Some people still use it today in their homes. So you had the kitchen and the bedroom. Some of y'all caught that. And then you had oil, the smell of, anybody like being by the fire? Just looking at, I get mesmerized by fire. That's dangerous for me. I go in front of a fire, I'm just, what are you looking at? I don't know. It just looks good. All of these things were aesthetically nice to the eye, but also the aroma was strong. And any time you went into a, an effectively running, oh, praise God, completely optimized holy place, you walked in and you, already, you were, if you were hungry, you were good. When you are optimized, you attract people to your holy place. Think about the two things that were mastered. It was the smell of food and the smell of, of perfume, aroma. Think about the breaking of the alabaster, what it did to people around. They would smell something broke in that house. Something smells good in that place. Historical significance, a topic that demonstrates God's desire for a dwelling place among his people. His accessibility and desire for relationship. It is a pivotal role in Israel's identity as a chosen nation, but it's also a pivotal role for the body of Christ to realize that God's plan didn't just start now. It already started even before Jesus popped on the scene. Even Jesus dying on the cross. I said to myself, man, God's timing is incredible. God literally introduces Jesus with the first Roman emperor. Jesus pops on the scene under the, the emperor um, uh, Augustus Caesar. It couldn't have been under Julius Caesar because Julius wasn't really the first Caesar. It was really Augustus. And this man, Jesus pops on the scene and the name Augustus Caesar is found in the Bible. So that anyone could say, you know what, there's a parallel there. Why? Why during the time of the Romans? Because they were the only ones who would introduce the cross. The Greeks didn't do it that way. The Persians didn't do it that way. As a matter of fact, the per- you know what the Persians did? They had one stake. It's not going to sound right, but y'all need to know this stuff. They would take the whole body and they would put it on a stake. I'm not going to tell you where. They just put you on a stake. And they would bleed you out. But it wasn't the cross. Wow. Even the item of execution had to be parallel to this. So God had to wait for something bad within an organization that's why it couldn't have been anything else, and it had to be at that time. God is specific. The Romans were brought in for that reason. G- 
Jesus would not have been effective as a king within a dominion unless it was under the Romans. Did y'all get that? Praise God. In conclusion, the tabernacle in the book of Exodus is a remarkable testament to the Israelites' obedience. You had your hand up. You had your hand up. Go ahead. You mentioned he was the way in on the right side is the same as he was already, that was kind of already, the pretense of that was when Joseph said, bring me Benjamin. Say that again. So, it's just what I thought. Um, When you said Benjamin was the way in on the right side, the west side, Mm -hmm. is the same or or, or is the pretense of that was when Joseph said, bring me Benjamin for them to obtain the land of Goshen? Pretty good. That's pretty good. It shows that Benjamin's role, being the youngest, was still part of the process. That Benjamin didn't know that through his loins was the inclusion of the Gentiles. You know what it is for thousands of years before? To be a part of somebody's plan in the future? Thousands of years. Through him, he carried the the plan for the Gentiles. Benjamin. I'm going to wrap it up because, what time is it? I'm going to wrap it up because there's a whole bunch of other stuff here, but yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to. We should have something back there. By the way, by the way, efficiency. And this is all part of the tribal thing. It is not my job, nor do I want it to be my job, to be able to make sure that everything runs smooth. It's not my job, nor do I want it to be my job. In other words, the Holy Spirit will look for people to be able to make sure this runs smoothly. You notice today I didn't ask anybody to grab a microphone? I'm not going to do that. Because I and this baby needs to be taken care of by everybody. Do I care that other people are going to hear this? Yes, I do. But I can't be the only one. We all have to be able to feel that for others. I can't be the one going, oh my God, no, no, no more. Innovation comes from the tribes. And every, every person in the tribe is going to have their, their task to do. And I'm going to do what I'm called to do. But just because I'm a quarterback doesn't mean I'm the owner of the team. I just happened to touch the ball first. You like that one? You like that one? Yeah, that's good. Hut! But if you're not running your routes, if you're not running the ball, if you're not doing what you need to do, guess what? We all lose. And I'm not going to get mad. I'm going to be like, you know what? All right, Lord, I, 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 I ran my position. And I'll keep running my position. I won't get upset to the point where I don't run my position. I'll keep running my position. But Lord, this is your team. You own this team. You run this show. 
Every tribe had to do their thing. If one of them missed out, they all failed. They all messed up. As a matter of fact, there's a story. It's, look how deep this is. There's a story in Joshua chapter 6 that speaks of this guy by the name of Achan. Appropriate name, by the way. Because he was definitely causing people to ache. God said, every place you go, you will conquer. You get a chance to read, read yourself. He told Joshua, be bold and courageous. For you will not fail. I'll be with you every step of the way. They go to battle. Because he also said this. Do not take any of the spoils of the people. And here comes one, because there's always someone who thinks, you know what? It doesn't apply to me. This is, that's, that's, that's a rule, but it's not a general rule. You know, I'll still keep doing what I do. It's not going to catch up to me. Hmm. So this one guy decides that he's going to take the property and hide it. He, he, he thought he was hiding things from God. How do you hide things from God? digs a hole and he puts all the stuff in there to show you how powerful it is for a people to all be on the same page. When you're walking towards a place and you're building up something, get the instructions and do your part. I'll do my part, you do yours. And sure enough, he didn't do his part. You know what God did? God is so interesting. Joshua comes and says, Lord, but you promised. He said, yeah, I did. You said we will conquer every land. I said, yeah, I did. Look amongst the people. So what happened? The tribe was found. The clan was found. The family was found. And the culprit was found. From tribe to clan to family to culprit. What did he do? He prevented them from winning. Millions of people. One guy who broke the instructions prevented them from entering that land. That's how powerful that is. And sure enough, he got stoned and so did his family. I mean, that, that Old Testament was pretty harsh. There was no second chance. There was no blood of Jesus to, as remission. So you, there's going to be blood. It's just not the blood of Jesus. And they had to wipe out his whole family because of that one move. And after that, they didn't lose not one fight. Because one scenario, our job is to be there for our assignment, whatever it is. And whenever it is, God is for the assignment. Even with his own son. Jesus said, if there's a way to pass this cup, please pass it, but let your will be done, and not mine. Three times. That means it was a big deal for Jesus. Three times. Let your will be done, not mine. Let your will be done, and not mine. That's interesting, because isn't the will of Jesus the will of the Father? I'm not going to get into that right now, because that will lead us into another hole. And we don't have time for that. 
Q&A, questions and hopefully an answer. Q&A, I'm opening up the floor, 10 minutes. Don't be afraid. I'm going to tell you what, what Jesus told, what God told, told Joshua. Be bold and courageous. Yes. Um, would, hello. Would you be able to clarify uh, uh, regarding the tabernacle um, and how it how it signifies or how it um, yeah how it how it wh where is the tabernacle in our bodies? Like okay, physically, very good. Physically, very good, very good. Stand up. Heart. You're going to be the example. All right. Stand here for me. Right here. Everybody look at the tabernacle. The tabernacle has a bun. Right? This, this bun represents the outer courts. Everything he's wearing is the outer courts. All of this is outer courts. Shoes, outer courts. He is adorning the outer courts. The adornment of the, of the holy place is not material. Everybody with me so far? So every day, he caters to the outer courts first. Because you want to look okay. So everything you do, right down to the, even when you shave everything, has to do with the adornment of the outer courts. We're pretty good at that. The outer courts get taken care of. We make sure that, the, that we are appealing to the best of our abilities. But this is not sufficient. That's why there's a holy place, and the holy place has entries. The entry to the holy place is here, 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 and here. Everything you do, yeah, I know, I know, but amen. She's right, in other areas as well, but this is where entry comes in. You receive into your holy place by what you allow to come in through your ex external, which is the, uh, the outer courts. Your holy place is exposed to what you allow. Remember what Jesus said? He said, you're not uh, defiled by what you eat. He said, you're defiled by what you say, by what you hear, by what you see, what you allow to live in here. That's what's going to live in here in the holy place. And if you don't have priests... Then you got witches, because it's got to be something spiritual. Who, who understood what I just said? What comes in, that's why it's important to have who residing in us. Holy Spirit's got to be in us. He's got to be, he's, you've got to allow him within. If not, there's residence taking place. Now, the part of him that he doesn't have control over, 
that the only thing he needs to focus on is the holy place is the one that Jesus mastered, and that is the most holy place. And the most holy place does what? Connects you with God, where your holy place gets instructions straight from the Spirit of God. The spirit man, or you as a spirit, you receive instructions in the spirit by way of the most holy place in you. Your most holy place is always in connection with your holy place. Or should, let me say it this way. It should be always in connection with your holy place. Because you have the choice of whether or not having that curtain up between the holy place and the most holy place. Wait, I want, to, I want them to grasp that one. Hold up. You determine whether or not that current still exists. So you can't get instructions from God into your holy place because your spirit is not connected to your soul. As long as your soul is just connected to your body, everything you do will be based on soul and body connection. So you're going to always look for satisfaction of what? Yeah, the body. The body's desire. The body will tell the soul what it needs. And the body's a liar. That friendship between soul and body is a very, they call it almatic relationship. Because it's a soul to body connection. So as long as his soul and his body are connected, he will always shut down the things of the spirit. So the holy place will remain with stale bread, runs out of frankincense, and has no oil for the lamp. Because all that's going into his mouth for food. You have another question, you said. If it's a loaded question... So would you would you be able to to and this is just just for me, but I guess it's got to be for everybody. You're saying you it for get, everyone. You guys get fed too. What are some of the things that can limit us from getting uh, that information from the most holy place so that it can be externally like displayed in our heart of courts? Because I know that the spirit is connected to God, but this uh, being uh, frank, I'm being frank myself. Um, there's things that we don't even know that keep us disconnected from God in the most holy place because it's not allowed in the most holy place. Um, so what, what are some of those interruptions that we can like be aware of or what, are, what is some advice that you can give a person like me you know, to get that more solid connection? So there are things that are basic and then there are things that are more profound. Basic. Don't lie to people. Don't be a liar. Because then a liar becomes a lifestyle. And if it becomes a lifestyle, it will shut that connection with the most holy place. Two, don't steal. Don't be a thief. These are kind of basic, right? Because being a thief is harmful to somebody else. Those areas will cause that realm to turn into something more beneficial 
for the flesh, not the spirit. Make sure that you're not committing adultery. Those areas become critical in your walk because now you are inhaling somebody else's bad stuff. So now you not only have your own stuff, you're now getting, if somebody else in their family, cancer's running rampant, and you have no cancer in your family, you just inherited that by connection. Are y'all hearing this? If there's poverty in that other person's life, you just inherited poverty because there's a, the temple has been invaded. It is now a connection. Now you have holy place of that person, which is not really holy, and holy place, you have now merged the two. And that merger causes there to be the same attack in one. The devil doesn't know how to separate, nor does he want to. He sees connection when there's oneness. When you become one with someone, that one moment puts you on the grid for whatever's assigned to that person who's hearing what I'm saying. The list continues. It's everything we're not supposed to do. I mean, it, we don't have to draw the whole list. It's everything we're not supposed to do and it's everything we're supposed to do. What are we supposed to do? I can ask you that question. What are we supposed to do? Use the mic. Hello? Uh, I try to be Christ-like. Uh, what does that mean? That sounds good. Treat others how you want to be treated. Okay. Read the word. Okay. Pray. Okay. Fast. Yes. Forgive. Forgive. That's one that does not get mentioned. Why? Because we don't like that part. There are people who cannot say I'm sorry. I, I, don't, I don't get that for the life of me. They cannot. It's, it's just, mmm. <laughs> say I'm sorry. Mmm. They cannot apologize for nothing. It's almost like a defeat. Mind you, it could just be me and you. Just me and you. Nobody else is listening. And even in that, I'm sorry. They can't do it. Why? Because the holy place is rotten. And so there's a need for the character of Christ to be inside that place to allow there to be a continual attraction to the anointing. The anointing coming in and the anointing flowing out. Let it be the last Sorry. one. Yeah. So, so, you know, getting a little deeper and, and, and not, not uh, speaking about, like, the everyday things as you, like, explained, which is great. Thank you. Like, what if, what if, um, not what if, but I know that some of us are, are hurting because our childhood, maybe we had missing parents, maybe we went through a bad divorce, maybe we went through a medical season in our life that has crippled for lack of a better word, our, you know, our intimate time with God. How does that play into our tabernacle? You can be crippled, but you have a choice to go into therapy. And so some would say, I'm crippled. Please look at my crippled nature. Where God is saying, I'm giving you a place 
a, a, a situation where you can at least get therapy. It doesn't mean you're going to walk right away, but at least you're there. And your intent to want to be healed. What do you think attracted? I'm sorry I'm hitting you so much. You're kind of built, so. What do you think was the reason why Jesus shows up in the pool of Bethesda? What attracted Jesus to that man who was in the condition for 38 years? There was a desire. And at the end of the day, God will always give you what you need. He'll always answer your prayer, just maybe not the way you want to. But he'll give you the right people in your life, even the ones that don't like you, that are part of your coaching. I hated my linebacker coach. I shouldn't say that publicly. I forgave him though. But I hated him because, at the time, because he would make me do things. Let me grab this microphone. <laughs> I'm messing with you. I didn't like him. You know why? Because he did things on, I felt at the time he did things on purpose. He had me crawl more than the others. He had me do stupid things, and I didn't do anything for him to do that, but he, he figured, you know, I'm going to make you do it anyway. And so I got to a place where I was getting rebellious because I felt like, you, 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 you keep doing this to me. It's you. What I didn't realize till afterwards that he was making me the best linebacker. I was ripping into people. Let me say that nicely. I was ripping into people. That was too much joy in that one right there. I saw anybody with the ball, I, I knew. And he had me do this, this crazy drill with a ball. And he would have me roll with the ball. And he would toss the ball. And it would, you know, footballs don't, they don't move the right way. They're, they're all over the place. And I got to go chase it and jump on it. And I would say, coach, why are you only doing this to me? He would tell me, shut up. You complain, I'm not going to tell you what he said. Bleep, 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 bleep. And I had to keep doing it. But when the time came when there was a fumble, Matt, I knew what to do more than my other linebackers. I knew that the bounce of the ball was not going to be this way. It was going to end up bouncing the other way. I knew where to be. And so even the person who I thought was my enemy was actually the one helping me to become better at my trade at the time. Please, Dan. 